You're listening to Starting Up on the Agenda on Dubai Eye 103.8. With VirtuZone, business set up with no regrets. Hello there and thank you for downloading this Starting Up podcast from the 15th of November. And on the programme this week, we highlighted the growth of female-focused businesses. Alongside Neil Petch, the chairman of VirtuZone and an expert on the processes of business creation, we found out whether companies catering for women are big business. We were joined by Sophie Smith, the founder and CEO of nab to health and also Farah Ann Aldazi, who's a senior exec from Beituki, a company created to help Emirati women invest in property. Plus, our startup success story, Nancy Assad, had plenty of marketing advice for prospective business owners. You're listening to Starting Up on the Agenda on Dubai Eye 103.8. With VirtuZone, business set up with no regrets. Okay, welcome to your weekly episode of Starting Up. Welcome to it. You're, uh, you are listening to our special segment that's designed to encourage entrepreneurs to take the leap and set up on their own and to add advice and expertise. I'm joined in the studio by Neil Petch, the chairman of VirtuZone and a man well-versed in the whys, wares and hows of setting up a business right here in the UAE. Neil Petch, how are you? Do you know what? I'm really looking forward to this episode because you know how, how, how they say, do as I say, not as I do. Yes. Well, <laughs> women empowerment. This is something that we really need to learn from it in, in our company and want to do more. And we were, we've always been so proud. One of the shout outs to Sarah Giwala, wherever you are, Sarah, she retired to a life of leisure, but she was one of the forming founders of Virtue Zone and she kept us all in stock. And so now we're looking for some powerful senior female executives ah. in Virtue Zone. So I'm going to tell you the theory today, guys, but now you've got to put me on mark that I have to put it into practice right. too. Right. Well, I'm quite happy to hold you to account yeah. on that. An absolute pleasure. I know nothing about business, otherwise I'd be in there like a shot. <laughs> Sounds like a great job. Uh, because, yes, here on Starting Up, we do love a theme. And this week, as the COP27 climate change meeting in Egypt focuses on gender and how women and girls are key to effective climate action, we've decided to uh, take their nod and we're highlighting female-friendly businesses here in the UAE that are run by successful women. Now, did you know, Neil that only 15% of venture capital funding is allocated to female founders. But for every dollar of investment raised, female-run startups generate 78 cents in revenue, whereas male-run startups generated only 31 cents. Uh That appeals to my sort of competitive... I I love a bit of... um, gender competitiveness. You know that sounds a little bit like a Russell Peterson uh, stat where he's flipped it round and is mm. speaking well on, on behalf of, can I say, the fairer sex. Can I reassure you that, that those facts and figures are according to Boston Consulting Group, who go. evaluated 350 companies. So very, very reliable. Uh, so we're going to ask, is the secret of success for these women? Maybe in part because they are catering for women. And we've got a couple of fantastic women who are going to be joining us in the studio who are going to basically uh, talk through exactly how they have formed their companies, why they decided to focus on the female market and how that's going for them. And we're joined in the studio by the rather fabulous Sophie Smith, who is the founder and CEO of NABTA Health. Now, they're a hybrid healthcare company, uh, 
basically set up to accelerate the detection, diagnosis and treatment of chronic diseases in women in emerging markets. Uh, And it's an absolute pleasure to have Sophie join us in the studio. Hello, how are you? Welcome to the Dubai Eye Studio. Thank you, Georgia. Rather surreal to be here in person after all these years. It is weird. So we've had Sophie on the show before. Um, Actually, I think maybe on afternoons, or I was presenting afternoons with Helen Farmer in the past. Um, But over the last two years, obviously, she's not been in. You have a perfect voice for it, Sophie. We should get you in much more often. You're very kind. We approve. Now, you set up your company, NAB to Health, right here in the UAE, didn't you? And now, why did you choose to focus specifically on the female market because ultimately you basically cut your market in half like by doing that didn't you yes you'd be amazed how often uh, women's health gets referred to as a niche market even though it does technically service half of the population well indeed yeah i mean i suppose there are plenty of us around for you to cater for and 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 uh, so you specifically decided to aim at women and you specifically decided to to aim at helping women in emerging markets now Why was that? So I think whenever you build a company, you're trying to solve a problem or address a gap that has previously not been addressed. We know that historically, if you look across sort of humanity, the greatest underserved segment is women from Middle Eastern, African and South Asian populations. 92% of clinical trials today happen in the US and Europe. The remaining 8% mostly occur in the Far East. And among clinical trial participants there, women only make up 19, 19%. And a tiny percentage of those are from the Middle East, Africa and South Asia. So if you look at drugs, medical procedures, devices, tests, just about anything in the healthcare space, only a tiny percentage of those effectively cater to women from our target market. So there's a gap and a gap is an opportunity. Sophie, can I ask, a gap is one of the first things you've got to look for. Second, which when people come into VirtuZone and they're thinking of setting up a company, we're always looking at the people behind the idea. So you've got a niche that you're targeting, as, as I'm not allowed to call it, but you've got a group of people that you are targeting. When you're recruiting in, within your own team, how do, you, how do you recruit? You know, there's, there's a restaurant in Dubai that only has female staff. How do you how do you apply within your own company? So this has been always very interesting for us. I think because we're a mission driven company, we're a mission that we talk very publicly about. You know, to empower women in emerging markets to effectively manage their health. For most of the roles that we've advertised, and we've never spent very much on um, recruitment. You know, we place a LinkedIn ad. We put the minimum amount against it, which I think is twenty one dirham here. And we run it for twenty four hours. And usually we end up inundated with applicants and they're from all over the world. You know, we were a hybrid from an, a working perspective f- since, since the beginning, you know, so f- for five and a half years now. Um, as long as people have the, the correct appetite, they're kind of aligned in terms of their core values and they're interested in our mission, it doesn't really matter where in the world they are. So, you know, our, our number two hire, our creative director is actually based in Bangladesh, our number three hire, our head of community engagement, was based out of Syria. We have people who work for us in Lebanon, in Kenya, um, in Egypt, in Kuwait, in China, all over the world. The most important thing for us is that they understand what it is that we're trying to build um, and they're willing to work hard and take a small amount of risk with us in building it. That's intriguing. I mean, how do you manage 
staff that are that disparate from all over the world, from different cultures with perspe- potentially different perspectives? Does it does the does the does the sort of gel work, or, or, or is it quite tricky? Um, I think it probably is a bit of a balancing act. You know, we maintain very active communication channels. Um, we use Google Suite. We use their their chat function, their meetings function, to make sure that we're all talking every day. We have one particularly enthusiastic member of the team, Sadiq, who as soon as he's online says, good morning. And then we have a bit of a count and a bit of a competition to say who, could, who can say good morning back fastest. Um, I think it's something that we have to work on. You know, we're constantly talking about ways that we can support from a kind of cultural perspective. One idea that I really like um, that was done by a guy called Henry Engelhart, the founder of Admiral, is they have something called the Ministry of Fun. And every month, one of the departments gets to organize events um, around the Ministry of Fun. And it has to be activities, things that people can engage with, obviously, um, in person, and then in a remote context that, that engage and connect the team. So, so I would say that it's a work in progress. Communication is really key. Um, and I think making sure that you're open and receptive to feedback as a team, and particularly as a leadership team, is important. So I think this raises a, a bigger picture. This isn't a Boston University fact, I'm afraid, Georgia. It's just I'm disappointed. A, it's, a, the- it's, it's a Neil fact. <laughs> the more entrepreneurial you are, I reckon there's a stat that shows you might not be quite so good at listening because you're so strong in your beliefs, and that helps you get people to come with you disadvantage of that and let's take something that's going on at the moment which is the disruption of how we work how we work from home how we and so on and so on and again i'm stereotyping but an older leader would be you know put your fingerprint in at eight fifty nine, and if you're late and all of that kind of thing now you've got global companies like hsb seeking to cut 40 percent of their real estate but increase the efficiency and you need to open that up to to everyone and you need to listen to people and if the people at the top of the organization are like no this is how it works and don't listen then you won't adapt with the time so it is incredibly important to hear from from differing people with differing perspectives and try and be ahead of the curve yeah one of the things i think that has been um, a little bit shocking to me, actually, is that with all of the flexibility that COVID forced organizations to adopt, there's been quite a swift reversal to the way things were post-pandemic. You know, again, we offered flexible working right from the beginning. We have shared parental leave. I think we're probably one of the few organizations in the region that does. So nine months paid parental leave for men and women. That's huge. You are literally, I think you might be literally the only company in the region that offers that. That's amazing. Where do I apply for this job? (laughs) Suddenly we understand why you get so many applicants so quickly. Yeah. And do you know what? I think one of my proudest moments actually is that um, all of the men who have had babies in the company have all taken a minimum of three months paid parental leave. Um, There's no pressure on them to return early you know, we we try and uphold it as a good thing. And we see then within our kind of male employees all of the benefits that you would expect to see in female employees when they return from a sensible amount of parental leave as well. So, you know, better prioritization, (laughs) sorry, Um, you know, ability to delegate, less willingness to tolerate rubbish. Um, They become much more efficient and much more empathetic employees. And so that's something we really want to try and encourage. And uh, 
for me personally, I think we will only see, you know, gender equality within organizations, within society, when we enable not only women to have that work-life balance, but men as well. You're clearly a very mission-led company. Were you always determined to, to run a company that was focused on social action, that was focused on having a sort of not-for-profit sector to it, that was ultimately focused on creating a, a pleasant place to work? Um, I think so. So um, when I was 18, 17 or 18 years old, I drafted a, um, a sort of mandate for a, a charity then called MAD that stood for Making a Difference, um, that its objective was to teach people in the BRIC countries to do ethical business. So I think um, building businesses with a, with a higher purpose has always been something that I'm interested in. I think increasingly from working here, um, in emerging markets. And I previously had a company in Pakistan that did doctor finding appointment booking. I set up a, a company in uh, Sierra Leone that does waste plastics to roads. Um, I think as an acknowledgement that if you really want to empower people, you have to give them the financial means to do so, which means um, not only managing, but also owning the businesses that are built. And so um, I think there's a, there's a mission-focused element to NABTA. Externally, there's a mission-focused element to NABTA internally, but ultimately we want to build a, a highly profitable business that returns a significant amount of those profits in terms of, in terms of you know, longevity, in terms of um, employment stability to the people who work there. Sophie, it says that NABTA is, is a hybrid company. Can you explain that to me? Yes. Yeah, so um, hybrid healthcare is a term we coined back in 2018. We're actually multi-published on the, on the subject. We had a book come out with Springer. Um, last year that explains what it is. Basically, it takes existing principles around integrated care, um, so combining digital and traditional healthcare, and applies three pillars over the top. Decentralization, so it's something that is driven and led by individuals rather than providers. Patient centricity, meaning that, again, in terms of the diagnosis and the disease management, you're pinning diseases to people rather than people to diseases, which is how traditional healthcare um, has been built um, and works. Um, and then the third principle is augmented intelligence. So combining patient, doctor and artificial intelligence to enable a faster time from symptom to diagnosis. I get a sense that we could literally, that could be a whole nother topic, but sadly we need to uh, depart from our interview with you because we have someone waiting in the wings. But Sophie, clearly we need to get you back on the radio uh, to discuss the elements of that hybrid uh, setup in more detail. But it's been an absolute pleasure to get your insights on exactly how you run NABTA Health and how... You know, how, how an entrepreneur can be mission focused, but not just selfishly mission focused, but also uh, looking uh, to her community as well. Let's, let's, let's get her off quickly because I'm feeling intellectually intimidated. Well, the, right, rightfully so. We both should be. Uh, Sophie Smith, founder and CEO of NAVTA Health. It's been a great pleasure. Thank you for joining us on Starting Up on the Agenda. You're listening to Starting Up on the Agenda on Dubai Eye 103.8. With VirtuZone, business set up with no regrets. Joined in the studio as ever by Neil Petch, the chairman of VirtuZone. Now I say as ever, but he's been away for a while. Hello, welcome back. Lovely yeah, to see you. Enough about me. Men, if you're listening, there's a company out there that serves nine months maternity leave to men. <laughs> now that's why you need to listen to our podcast. <laughs> That was, uh, that was thanks to Sophie Smith, who is the founder and CEO of NABTA Health, who just joined us a few minutes ago. Uh, obviously, they 
cater basically to uh, mostly to women, but they're a hybrid healthcare company, accelerating the detection, diagnosis and treatment of chronic diseases in women in emerging markets. Now we're going to turn our attention to another company run by a successful woman with a team of successful women, but also aimed at women uh, by two key Beituki was set up by Latifa bin Hayda. Now, she's a social entrepreneur who's passionate about putting her skills to the use for the betterment of the community. Now, unfortunately, Latifa isn't feeling very well today, so can't join us. But instead, we are joined by Beituki's senior executive officer, Farah Ann Dalzi, who joins us on Teams. Farah, how are you? Thank you very much for, for coming on the program. How are you? Hi, I'm very well. Thank you. Uh, thank you for having me. It's a pleasure to have you with us. Tell us a little bit about uh, Beituki and how it works. Yeah, so Beituki is a digital uh, crowdfunding real estate investment platform. It's aimed at empowering, educating and enabling women of all ages and income brackets towards financial prosperity through uh, micro investments in real estate. It's really easy to actually get onto Beituki. You just go onto the website um, you um, sign up and register. After that, you become a verified user. You're able then to browse the platform, see which kinds of properties you want to invest in. And then after you do that, you enter your budget. Once the budget is entered um, and it's satisfactory for you, um, you then go ahead and transfer funds to a custodian account and then you'd be invested in a property, but through an SPV. Very cool. Yeah, question from me. Um, we, we were talking about targeting specific areas. There's quite a few sort of micro-funding areas in the real estate sector. You're choosing to target women. What, what's different about yours and why would you not want to go after the, the male side of this investment? So we're actually starting off with Emirati women. So it's a very small area. And the idea of that um, for them is that investments is not really a new concept to them, but rather something that men ordinarily do. And there are a lot of products which are aimed at um, men and women. But um, for this one specifically, we we wanted to support them because ordinarily what they know is um, they put their money in the bank or they're able to buy gold or they just give their money to a husband, brother, father, anyone who will basically be doing that um, on their behalf. So basically was really started as a result of advice that was given to a young Latifa at the time by her grandmother um, that, told, that she said to her, you know, you need to save your money for a rainy day. Don't spend it frivolously. Try to invest in gold, which is which is pretty much standard. Um, and then go ahead and try to invest in property, in real, uh, in land, etc. So it's more so of sort that, of market. It's it's the marketing side of it and positioning side of it rather than the functionality side of it that differentiates. Um, I think it's a little bit of both. Um, so in terms of marketing, we really get down to uh, know all of our investors. We host a myriad of different events uh, where they can come and speak to us. We're very open. They can ask us questions. Um, so that's from the side of marketing. We host these events from Abu Dhabi to Dubai to Ras al et etc. Um, but then from the um, operational side of things, we actually do try and do a lot of hand-holding um, to teach them about investments um, so that they're able to then uh, take on the take on the task of, um, you know, coming up uh, and, and understanding how investments work and why they might want to diversify their portfolio instead of um, just putting their money into a single property, etc. So when you say a micro investment, how much do you mean? Are we are we talking a thousand dirhams, 10,000 dirhams, 100,000 dirhams? Um, so we actually start off at 5,000 dirhams. 
And there is a cap, which is um, obviously advised by the by the regulators. Um, but ordinarily, that's that's never hit, uh, to be honest. Um, and it's a yearly amount. We um, we will have professional investors as well as retail investors. But at the minute, the focus is on retail investors because, like I said, um, they retail investors feel that um, they have. Uh, lacked representation in the market. They they felt that um, they lacked experience and knowledge, and they found that it was really time consuming to invest in property or to manage investments. So, how long have you been running now? Um, so, two years. Uh, we started in 2021, um, and here we are now. Okay, so in two years, if I'd put in a hundred dirhams, if you'd let me, what would that be now? If you're a female, um, if you're a female Emirati, then yeah, you could. Yep. So two let's things just, again. Let's just imagine I am. <laughs> For a moment, okay. <laughs> the visual image is tricky, but I'm going with it. <laughs> so essentially what you have to look at is um, two things. Um, one, where you invest into a property is um, by, by shares, right? So you're subscribing to an SPV by shares. The other thing is um, you have capital appreciation over time that has to be considered. But our, our strategy is ordinarily... Um, to hold a property for three to five years. But in that time period, we'll also be um, dis- uh, distributing rental income if a property is tenanted. Um, so ordinarily, your amount that you had put in would only be um, appreciating in time until um, the, the, um, until the property is sold off. However, for that amount that you had put in, you'd have a percentage. And that percentage would give you an amount of the rental income that would be coming in per property. Yeah, so I mean, it's a pretty good, it's good that you started two years ago, because we've had a pretty damn fine time in the real estate sector the last two years. So it is that, you know, that headline number, you're in the elevator, and you say, well, one of my customers has done X. Mm-hmm. How much have they made? That's what we want to know. How are they doing? <laughs> Um, so basically, we did start two years ago, but um, recently we've received the um, the DFSA licensing. So um, I, I don't know if you know this, but crowdfunding uh, platforms are regulated by the Dubai Financial Services Authority. So we've only recently just uh, received our licensing. We've also just started to launch two of our properties um, where we've also gotten plenty of investor interest. Um, so hopefully within the next few days, um, everything will be on our platform and live for all Emirati. And is, is the shareholding 100% female? Yes. That's brilliant yes. because, it, you know, in, in the last year, Georgia, we had real estate uh, people on as well. You know, now you can own a 100% real estate company as, yeah. as a foreign expert. DFSA, there's a lot of hurdles there for good reasons, and they've gone through that as well. So it's really encouraging. You're a proper starting up startup. Like you're literally, we've spoken to you right at the start of your journey, effectively, which is hugely exciting. You'll have to come back in a year and so that we can find out how it's going. Uh, and, yeah, I, and I hope that you expand it to non-Emirati women because I'm feeling left out here. I mean, goodness knows how Neil feels, but I'm feeling left out as a non-Emirati woman. No, no, you really shouldn't. We do have plans to expand further. So if you are interested, please just um, you know keep an eye out. Fantastic. Absolute pleasure to speak to you. Thank you very much indeed there, Farah and al uh, who joined us on Teams. She is a senior exec officer uh, by Tuki, uh, which is a company that was set up to enable Emirati women of all ages and income brackets towards financial prosperity by making micro investments in real estate. You're listening to Starting Up on the Agenda on Dubai Eye 103.8. With Virtuzone, business set up, 
with no regrets. Hello there, 11.38. Welcome back to Starting Up. It is our special programme aimed at entrepreneurs or prospective business owners. And every single week around this time of the day, uh, we get to do a success story segment, which is when we get to grill a business owner about how they reached the lofty heights of their current success. Joined in the studio, as ever, by Neil Pett, chairman of Virtue Zone. He's not going anywhere, but we've got somebody uh, new with us, namely Nancy Assad, who is the founder and managing director of the Marketing Boutique, obviously a firm uh, designed to support clients, staff and suppliers. Uh, and the idea is that they run, uh, they develop successful, lasting relationships with their clients. A very client-focused business. Nancy, it's lovely to have you in the studio. How are you? Thanks for having me. Good morning, everyone. Good morning. Lovely to have you here. Now, the Marketing Boutique, how long have you been running it? So I've been running it for the last uh, five years in Dubai. I've been here in the in this region for the last 19 years. I've been in the corporate world and I come from a tech background. I com- I'm a computer engineer by default. Uh, and I started my first career in Dubai in a marketing uh in the marketing department. And, uh, you know, I really loved it. It has a lot of connection and communication given my personality. And uh, what I loved about it as well is really combining my tech uh, knowledge uh, that I've gained from the engineering perspective into marketing. And uh, hence, you know, I grew within that uh, that tech industry until, you know, one day I have realized that as a marketeer, um, there was a gap. I, it was really hard for me to find an agency that, you know, can understand and uh, the cybersecurity world that I used to work for. You know, no one was able really to help me build up a campaign that is cybersecurity related because they wouldn't understand what exactly am I doing. You know, the language is very harsh. It's very, you know, uh, deep and technical technical as well. Uh, And I was like, you know what? I'm going to be having my own agency, uh, which is going to be very tech-focused. So the Marketing Boutique is a marketing agency that is really focused on building strategies for the tech industry or for anyone who's really going through the digital transformation because you need to make sure that your marketing message is extremely aligned with your business vision. And while everyone right now across industries are really going through that digital transformation, if you're not able at a certain, let's say, capacity to really understand what technologies you are being put in that, uh, you know, business and delivering it across and really communicating it properly in a more very simplified message, then it's going to be really hard to reflect from uh, internal perspective and external perspective on how you're running your uh, digital transformation nowadays. Now, Nancy, we have a virtual award that we give to people that come into this show. Okay. And it very rarely happens. And I'm going to put Nancy forward. She managed to put more ticks in boxes of hot words yeah. relevant to this industry than I've heard in any 30-second speech. We've been pontificating <laughs> about when you set up a business, don't spend the money on the office. Don't spend the money on buying loads of hardware. Spend it on building a digital strategy that drives leads. You're talking about it. You're talking about incubating and getting these things ready. So so you've definitely come along at the right time. That's that's absolutely fantastic. I picked up incubation. There's a million people claiming to incubate. A lot of those claims are really more real estate model based where they're just trying to rent space to you. So how do do you guys get – tell us an incubation story that relates to this. 
well, uh, let, let's say from an outsource model perspective, from a marketing perspective and an outsource model, a marketing perspective, you are, let's say, uh, a new company that is coming from Silicon Valley would like to expand to the region uh, in the Middle East region, uh, land and expand in Dubai. Usually that's where most firms, they come in here. And one of the things that, you know, we, you want to have is to really create that awareness, is to really uh, expand your presence along the region. This is where a company like the Marketing Boutique, you know, with that deep understanding of what exactly you do and with the deep understanding of the culture of the region, the culture of the region is very complex. And when I say we cover Middle East, Turkey and Africa for most of our client. So if you don't understand the culture, you won't be able as well to really run that strategy on their behalf this is where we come and say you know what we can take we can outsource your full function from a marketing perspective run it on your behalf be your marketing manager on ground uh, really making sure that we are extremely aligned with your business objectives and vision for the region because we know the region and really take it from there so uh, I guess and we have built a couple of extremely successful successful stories with most of our multinational clients. I'm so interested that you you decided to really specialize because you hear again and again that, you know, in order to differentiate yourself in a crowded market, it's necessarily to be really focused on on one sector. How did you build up your client base? Was it from your, your, your sort of tech days or was it because you were already working at a firm and you basically took them with you? Um, you know, you know, I guess most of us can agree on one thing that the marketing industry in this particular region is extremely crowded and very competitive, right? You see so many agencies, you know, left and right. Uh, and the one thing that I really wanted to make sure when I started is to be niche, to have my own niche, my have my own audience, my own target audience. And yes, most of my clients, you know, I was really... I've worked hard to build a great reputation within that tech industry, and I'm very proud of it, you know. And uh, I guess most of my clients, they work with me because of their reputation and the good work that I have been putting, you know, while I was at the corporate world and the success stories that I have made within the the companies that I have uh, running their marketing for. So I am known in the tech industry. Uh, Hence, you know, it was easy for me definitely uh, to have my own clients from that industry. Right now, when technology is at the foundation of all industries, you know, you know, the space, you know, it, it is, uh, there is no limit for the cl- from a clientele perspective. We run across industries. Nancy, a lot of the listeners are going to be hearing this going, this woman knows what she's talking about. She's been in the UAE for I can't say how many years. I, I still can't believe it. But she's got what everyone says here, Wasta. She knows the media industry. She's been here. A little secret. You even know the CEO of Virtue Zone, but you didn't set up with us. Anyway, it's a great, <laughs> exa- it's a great example of, you know, listeners, you think that the hardest part of your journey is right at the start, and it is tough, but actually growing pains, right? So you were saying to me, Offer, you have a general trading license. Yep. General trading license, very difficult to get. True. And a few years ago, it was like manna from heaven. Wow, I've got a general trading True. license. I can do anything I like. Now you start running into situations where an invoice comes through and the bank's like, well, hold on, you're a general trading company. So, guys, there are challenges as as you grow. And obviously what you want to be doing is focusing on, on your main job, right? So how for the next stage of the growth of your company, what, what are you focusing on? 
So uh, right now we have uh, expanded our presence in the region. So we have uh, a legal entity in Qatar. We have our office in Qatar. We have appointed a country manager as well to run uh, Qatar office for us. I will be handling as well this uh, this growth. And I'm really very super excited about it. Hopefully going international as well as my next step. So it's going to be boutiques all over the world. And I'm very focusing on the word boutique because we deliver value. It's not about the size. And while you grow, you know, at that size, while you go and expand, you will always need a partner with you that can really help you with that expansion, whether is it locally, whether it is internationally or regionally. And, uh, you know, again, you would need someone that have that uh, regional presence and international, you know, like like a virtue zone. So definitely, we will be on board very shortly. <laughs> I love how you, at the very end of you in- the interview, you've managed to completely save yourself in Neil's eyes. Uh, thank you so much for coming in. Uh, Nancy Assad. Thanks a lot for uh, having me. A pleasure. Uh, this week's success story on Starting Up, a pleasure to speak to Nancy Assad, founder and managing director of The Marketing Boutique. You're listening to Starting Up on the Agenda on Dubai Eye 103.8. With VirtuZone, business set up with no regrets. Okay, it is time for our company clinic. Neil Petch uh, has stuck with us, which is very good of him. Chairman of VirtuZone, nothing he doesn't know about setting up a business. Uh, okay, Neil, a question just come in here from Hamid saying, you mentioned general trading licenses earlier. What are they and are they a good option? If something sounds too good to be true, it, it probably is. is not true. And here's a classic example. There are 3,200 companies out there, all of whom purport to advise you how to set up your business. The vast, vast, vast majority of them will help you once, and then next year you'll deal direct with the free zone. So they don't necessarily care quite so much on the after-sale support and on you having the right license. A general trading license, which was incredibly profuse many years ago because it gives you the opportunity to do pretty much anything. So it sounded like manna from heaven. So loads of people had general trading licenses. Now, banking is probably the biggest challenge of every single startup making sure, A, you can get your bank account set up quickly, and then, B, once it's set up, that it doesn't get frozen because people are worried that the money's come from the wrong source. And with everything happening in the globe at the moment, that's particularly important. So at VirtuZone, we would recommend that if you are in material trading – have an activity on your license that says material trading. And so when you get an invoice from a material manufacturing company in India, it will sail through, you'll get your money quickly and you won't be stopped. Because we give you that advice, it might take a little bit longer to get set up, whereas someone else is going, Yanni, we can do this for you in 10 minutes, no problem, you can do everything. Please be careful, do your research, and in so many cases, it's not the right way to do it. So there's an awful lot of people, for example, who have DED, mainland licenses that are general trading, that do have local partners because that's what they've had for 30 years. I would cautiously advise them to take advice and to check if that is the right investment. Because if a foreign company wants to invest in you, they probably want to know that you have 100% ownership of everything. If a foreign company wants to invest in you and send resources to you, they'll want to know that that money goes through quickly rather than get stuck in America because we're pegged to the dollar. 
So all these things are much, much more important than they used to be. And that's why advice does change. Things do change all the time. Laws do change. Check. Because the speediest way or what you're told the speediest way is very often not that. That's some good geeky knowledge there, Neil Petch. Well, thank you very much. Yeah, really. I mean, really... Really good, good stuff. Top I, 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 I'm going to give myself a new title. Yeah, the, the, yeah. The, 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 we can change the segment. None of this company clinic or agony uncle chief, business. Chief, chief geek knowledge officer. Yeah, like like Elon Musk and his twits. Ah. Chief twit. <laughs> no, 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 that was that's that him. was Freudian. That right? was Freudian. It was accidental, yeah. genuinely like accidental. That. You know, you're chief geek. Uh, an absolute pleasure, as always, to have you in the studio. Thank you very much indeed for joining us. Thank you for that advice. Uh, it's been a pleasure presenting with you. Uh, amazing focus on uh, female-focused businesses today. Uh, basically, successful women who set up. Companies. And listeners, we're going to help Georgia set up her own business. She doesn't know what it's going to be. She doesn't know what the activity is. So I come sort on, of do. come on, let us know. No, no, Put I your votes in and we'll make her do it. I sort of know what I want to do. Oof. I sort of know. I've just got to find the time. This programme keeps me busy, Neil. <laughs> keeps me busy. You've been listening to Starting Up on the Agenda. This is Dubai Eye 103.8.